the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The Son of Man will be lifted up on the cross, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then over in John chapter 8, verse 28, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. When the Son of Man is lifted up, then you will know that I am, that I'm God. There are critics of Christianity who say that Jesus never declared that He was God. Today, Pastor Dan will be teaching you how that can't be further from the truth. On the night of Jesus' trial before the crucifixion, the Pharisees asked Him if He was the Messiah, and He declared that He is indeed the Messiah. Jesus took it further and said not only is He God in the flesh, but no man can come to the Father except through Him. Not all roads lead to heaven. You must go through Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 19 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. looking at the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, and the crucifixion, of course, is the biggest event in all of human history. It is the main theme of the book of the Bible, uh, from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, when you get to Revelation, Jesus is described in Revelation as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So the cross uh, was not some unforeseen event. It was not some accident that happened to Jesus. The cross was God's plan to save mankind from before the creation of the world. From before God created the world, God knew that man would rebel. He knew that we would rebel against him. He knew that we would sin. He knew that we would go our own way. And he also knew that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross to rescue us. Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And when we hear the word ransom, maybe you think of a a, a movie where there are hostages and the the person holding the hostages demands a ransom. They they demand a, a price to be paid for the release of the hostages. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us. He gave his life as a ransom For us, that means his life was the price that had to be paid for us. He gave his life to purchase our freedom from sin and from death. 
Uh, the crucifixion has been the theme of the Gospel of John as we've, as we've made our way through the Gospel of John. If you remember back in chapter 1, John the Baptist announced Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, in John chapter 3, Jesus uh, alluded to his death on the cross in John chapter 3 verse 14 saying, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Son of Man will be lifted up on the cross, and whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then over in John chapter 8, verse 28, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself, but as My Father taught Me, I speak these things. When the Son of Man is lifted up, then you will know that I am, that I'm God. In John chapter 10, Jesus described Himself as the shepherd, the shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep, illustrating His death for our benefit. Uh, In John chapter 12, I figured since it's Thanksgiving weekend, we would just review the whole book of John, right? A recap. John chapter 12, uh, he says in verse 23, uh, Jesus answering them said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. Again, speaking of his own death, describing it, illustrating it as a grain of wheat that is planted in the ground and dies. And because it dies, it produces much, much grain, much fruit. Speaking of his resurrection and our resurrection as well. Also in John chapter 12, verse 32, he said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He's lifted up from the earth, speaking of his crucifixion. When he is lifted up, he draws all peoples to himself. And so the death of Jesus Christ has been the theme of the Gospel of John. It's, it's been all throughout the Gospel of John. And now in chapter 19, we come to the actual event of the crucifixion. Uh, in our last study, uh, Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified in verse 16 and 17. Jesus was led away to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. uh, And he was crucified there between two criminals. And we looked at that last week. Uh, So now verse 19, it says, Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Uh, When the Romans would crucify someone, uh, they would place a sign on the cross above their head called a titleist. And on that sign, they would write the person's name, they would write where they were from, and they would write the crime that they're, they're crucified for, the crime for which they're condemned. But if you remember, in the case of Jesus, Pontius Pilate found no fault in him. Pilate ruled that he did nothing wrong, that he was innocent, that there was no crime 
committed. And so there was no crime to write on the sign, the titleless, that was placed on the cross. So instead, Pilate just simply wrote a title, the King of the Jews. Not, not an not a accusation, but a, a title, a statement of fact of who he is. And so that's what he writes on the sign that they place above his head on the cross. And it says in verse 20, then many of the Jews, again, the religious leaders of the Jews, they, they read the title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. So they, they see the title above his head on the cross. We're told in verse 20 that Jesus was crucified near the city. He was crucified just outside the city of Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 tells us he suffered outside the gate of the city. I mentioned last week that uh, today the church of the Holy Sepulchre is on the spot where Jesus was crucified. Uh, In the first century, that location was just outside the city gate. Uh, The Romans liked to crucify people on major roads and right outside a gate where there's a lot of traffic, where a lot of people are passing by so that many people would see the crucified person. And they did this as a deterrent to deter people from rebelling against the Roman authority. It was kind of this, you know, billboard, if you will, of, hey, if you try to rebel against us, this is what's going to happen to you. Uh, And so they would do that so everyone could see uh, the person that was condemned and what their crime was. And they would write it in uh, in three languages. They would write it in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin so, so everyone could read the charge against the person that's condemned. Hebrew was the language of the Jewish people. Latin was the language of the Romans. And Greek was the language of everyone else. Uh, Greek was the universal language of the day, much like English is in our world uh, today. Again, we see that the Jews, they read this title that was written in verse 21. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. The the sign, again, it read like a statement of fact and not as an accusation or a crime. And so the religious leaders wanted Pilate to change the wording of the sign. Don't write the king of the Jews. Write that he said he's the king of the Jews. And in verse 22, Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Now, if you remember from our previous studies, uh, Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent, but he was pressured by the religious leaders to crucify him. Uh, So now at this point, Pilate refused to change the wording of the sign. And I think it's maybe a little sweet revenge here for Pilate because they forced his hand to condemn an innocent man. And so now he says, hey, what I've written, I've written. You don't like it, tough luck, right? The ironic thing is if you remember when the religious leaders brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate, the accusation they made against Jesus was that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. So that's what Pilate wrote on the sign. That's what they accused him of. And so he writes on the sign, the king of of the Jews. He's guilty of being the king of the Jews. Now verse 23. Then the soldiers when they had crucified Jesus took his garments and made four parts, 
to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now look at the details here about the tunic. This is important. Now the tunic was without seam. It was woven from the top in one piece. Verse 24. They said therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. Then we're told that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. The Romans assigned four soldiers to carry out a crucifixion. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Those four soldiers were entitled to the clothing and the personal belongings of the person that was condemned to die. And the Roman soldiers could take those personal belongings, they could take the clothing of the condemned person, uh, and they could sell them on Facebook Marketplace and eBay and that kind of, you know, the places where you sell things that are used. Um, Seriously, though, they would sell the items. You know, we have to understand in the ancient world at that time, uh, there were no department stores, there's no Target, there's no Walmart, there's no mall to go to, there's no Black Friday sales. If, if you wanted clothes, you made them yourself, or you paid somebody to make clothes for you, uh, which, you know, uh, that was a lot of work. Uh, also, there was no Hobby Lobby, uh, so you couldn't just go buy yards of fabric. If you needed fabric for clothing, you wove the fabric, or you found someone that you could purchase that fabric uh, from. Uh, And so, of course, that would take a lot of time. And so because of this, uh, people in the ancient world were big on reusing things, repurposing things out of necessity. Uh, When we travel to Israel on a a Bible study tour, uh, you can see in some of the ancient buildings where they reused bricks, they reused stones from other buildings that they knocked down to build their new building. And they would repurpose the stones from a previous structure And so you'll see buildings there that have stones and bricks from different eras, different ages. And so the stones don't really match. Uh, They're all different designs and and, and that kind of thing. And the reason they did that, of course, is because, you know, you couldn't order a pallet of bricks from Home Depot and have it delivered to the job site. If a stonemason needed stones to build a building, they had to go out in a field and, and quarry out the stones themselves with a hammer and a chisel. It was labor intensive. And so if they could get stones from some other building or bricks from some other building, they would do that to repurpose them. In fact, there's one building in Sephoris, a city, an ancient city there, uh, that, that was built by Herod Antipas. Remember we talked about Herod Antipas during the trial 
of Jesus. It was one of his capital cities in the Galilee. There's one building there that I like to point out to our group when we go, that in the building they repurposed all these stones. And you can tell it's all these mismatched stones. But also in the wall of the building, there are uh, three sarcophagi. You know what sarcophagus is? It's a stone casket. And so just built right there in the wall, you see these three caskets that are just used for the wall, that are just incorporated in the construction of the wall. They just repurposed caskets as part of the construction. Again, that was out of necessity because it was just labor-intensive to cut stones for building. Uh, And so here, I say that to say, you know, these Roman soldiers could take the personal effects of a person, their clothing... Uh, and, and sell them in the marketplace, and there would be people that would be willing to buy the clothing of the, of the person just out of necessity. And so these Roman soldiers would do this to make some extra money. Again, verse 23 says, the four Roman soldiers divided his garments into four parts, so to each soldier a part. But when they came to the tunic, you know, the coat, were told... And the, and the description here, it's, it's very important. We're told that this tunic, this coat that Jesus owned was without seam. It wasn't sewn together. It wasn't fabric sewn together. It was woven from the top. It was in one piece, meaning it was made from just one piece of, of fabric. And the soldiers, they didn't want to divide the tunic by tearing it into four equal parts and divide it up. So instead, they decided to cast lots for it, to roll dice, to gamble, to try to win it. I I find this interesting because it tells us that this tunic must have been pretty nice. You know? You know, the other other belongings that Jesus had, you know, the sandals, he probably had some kind of uh, head covering, uh, he, he probably had you know, an undergarment, and a coat, a tunic. They, they divide that stuff up. You know, I'll take the shoes, I'll take the head covering, you know, that kind of thing. But when they get to this tunic, it's nice enough that they, all four of them want it. And they're willing to gamble for it. And there's no, I, there's no spiritual meaning to that or any theological meaning. But I just find it interesting that Jesus had a nice coat, right? Where did he get a nice coat from? Why does he have a nice coat? I don't know. So they cast lots for this garment. And casting lots for the garment fulfilled a prophecy that's found in Psalm 22, verse 18, which is quoted for us in verse 24. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Again, this this messianic prophecy out of Psalm 22, written about a thousand years before the time of Christ, where it describes his crucifixion in great detail, even describing the dividing of his garments by the Roman soldiers and the casting of lots for his tunic. Now, I, I believe there is, there's a very symbolic message that is communicated in the fact that Jesus had this tunic, this coat, and that it was a garment made of one piece of fabric, that it was not sewn, and that it was not torn. And those, those are details that maybe a Jewish reader who, uh, who knows their Old Testament, knows their Hebrew Bible, would pick up on those details. According to the book of Exodus, the high priest, 
wore a robe that was made of one piece of fabric, that was not sewn fabric. It was one piece of fabric woven, you know, woven fabric. The tunic that belonged to Jesus sounds like the description of a tunic worn by a high priest. Also in the Old Testament and Leviticus chapter 21 and elsewhere, if you're taking notes, the high priest was commanded by the Lord to never tear his garment under any circumstances. So he has this one, one, this tunic. The high priest has this tunic. It's made of one piece of fabric, woven fabric, uh, and it's never to be torn. And that's what's described about Jesus' tunic. The the high priest is commanded to never tear his garment under any circumstances. Do you remember when Jesus was on trial just earlier in the evening, same night? I know it was a few weeks for us, but the same night Jesus was on trial before the high priest. And when Jesus declared to the high priest that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, what did the high priest do? He tore his garments. He's never supposed to tear his garments. But he tore his garments. He tore that robe. His high priestly garments, he tore them. He wasn't supposed to. He's commanded not to. So the Jewish high priest at that time tore his robe. Jesus had a similar robe, and his was not torn. Here's the symbolism. The Jewish high priest was no longer the legitimate high priest in God's eyes. Jesus is the legitimate high priest in God's eyes. In the book of Hebrews, he's described as the great high priest, right? And what does it say? Our great high priest, Jesus Christ, what is he doing right now? He is in heaven. He is in the holy of holies, if you will, the true holy of holies, interceding for us as our high priest, interposing his blood on our behalf when we sin in the holy of holies with the Father. So now we come to verse 25. Verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there's four women at the cross, we're told. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples, the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Jesus showed concern for his mother even while he's suffering on the cross. Isn't that remarkable? He's already gone through the scourging and the beating. Now he's he's nailed to a cross. And he's concerned for his, his his own mother while he's suffering. You know, when we read the Gospels, one thing that really stands out about Jesus is how others-centered he was, right? He was all about serving other people, serving others, caring for others. Uh, We we never see Jesus do anything that was self-serving or self-centered. Even here on the cross, he's still serving others. He's still caring for others, caring for his mother. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to be like Jesus. We also should be other-centered and not self-serving or self-seeking or self-centered 
Listening to Pastor Dan Sexton at Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more from this series in the Gospel of John, you can do so right now at CalvaryEC.com. Just click on Media. There you'll have access to our entire library of Pastor Dan's messages. You're welcome to listen to online and download for free to share with friends and family. That website, one more time, is CalvaryEC.com. Before we close our time with you, we'd like to ask you something. Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please, pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program, that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Thank you for taking the time to pray. How can we be praying for you during this study in John? We'd be honored to do that. Please contact us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd like to meet you, too. Join us at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, and you can find all the information you need at calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. Feel free to read ahead in John before joining Pastor Dan next time, right here. On Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft in them. Well, I know because I know his voice, and it only takes. Reach to